Live from the Subaru of Gwinnett Studio, CAB Incorporated presents Celebrating Powerhouse Women. Now, here's your host, Amanda Pierch. Good morning and welcome back to another exciting episode of Celebrating Powerhouse Women. This is a series that salutes and recognizes women who are making an impact in our community. This show is presented by CAB Incorporated. And as you know, since 1982, CAB Incorporated has been a distinguished leader in manufacturing and global sourcing, serving a variety of industries, including infrastructure, hydraulics, automotive, and rail with their precision, machine, and iron steel products. As a woman-owned company, CAB is proud to be the presenting sponsor of this Celebrating Powerhouse Women series. It is also brought to you in part by McCarthy Building Companies and Cat Rangers. Today, I'm very excited because I have a special guest in studio with me. I have got Sarah um, Sarah Appleton. I was going to say Wallace. I apologize. She is a principal at Wallace Engineering. Good morning, Sarah. Good morning, Amanda. Thank you for joining me today and braving the raindrops and venturing all the way up to Gwinnett. My pleasure. Um, I was going to read a little bit of a... Um, some information that you gave me about Wallace, but I think you would probably serve it a lot better if you were just to give a little synopsis about Wallace and your role within. Sure. So Wallace Engineering is a multifaceted firm. We started as structural engineering. We have also incorporated civil engineering, landscape architecture, roofing inspections, surveying, and special inspections throughout different offices. We started out in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and that's really where I started my career with them as well. Um, about six, six and a half years ago, I ended up moving out to Atlanta, and we can get into that a little bit more later. Mm-hmm. Um, but so now I am a principal at Wallace Engineering, and I oversee our Atlanta office operations, and that that involves pretty much everything from going out and doing business development to getting the work to managing the work and helping do the work, as well as, you know, if we need paper towels, I run to the store and pick up paper towels. So you wear a little lots bit of, of everything. Yes, I do. Yes. Well, that's very exciting. Do tell me just a, a little bit about some of um, what Wallace does within our community and kind of um, how long Wallace has been present in the Atlanta area. Yeah, so Wallace has been in the Atlanta area since about spring of 2014. And really what we focus on here in the Atlanta area is structural engineering, and with that we focus on buildings. So what that entails is basically we'll work with an architect and an owner and the whole design team to make sure that whatever dream the owner wants an architect puts together, that we can make sure it stands up and stays safe and functional for everybody through the future. Absolutely. You know, I heard a funny saying the other day, and you'll probably know exactly where this derived, and we'll give a shout out to that fella because I know he's listening live. Uh, Every time you walk through a a threshold, a door, every time you walk into a building and you don't die, you owe your life to a structural engineer. That's right. So it's said, said, controversially, that structural engineers save more lives than doctors. Absolutely. There you go. Absolutely. Now, the person that I'm speaking about, our mutual friend, is Mac Morgan, and he is an actual architect. And you guys worked on a a project in Noonan, Georgia together um, that's kind of something that everyone is very proud of. Tell a little bit about that that experience. Yeah, so you're talking about the Cancer Treatment Centers of America down in Noonan. Noonan. And I actually started working on that project It was one of my first projects with Wallace Engineering when I first started there, which was back in like 2009, out of our Tulsa office. Mm -hmm. So Mac Morgan worked with an architecture firm who had an office in Tulsa, Mm -hmm. and that's kind of how we got started with it. And so I designed the base hospital out in Tulsa, which is what brought me here. Um, Through that in a roundabout way on a nonprofit for that organization, I met my husband up in Chicago. So we did a long distance thing for about a year and a half, decided we wanted to make it last, mm-hmm. and then I ended up moving out here and getting married. 
Um, but through that, after we got here, we continued building lots of expansions on that hospital, which is where I met Mac Morgan. He came along and started working with Dewberry as the architecture arm of their office here mm -hmm. in Atlanta and pursuing other opportunities as well here. But right. I worked really well, close with him hand in hand yeah. doing you know, OR expansions and clinical expansions and surgery expansions and mm -hmm. patient rooms and office expansions. Pretty much everything has been expanded upon yeah. that hospital. They've been a fabulous client. And, and they've grown, as you're saying, expanding, expanding, because I think I shared with you when we had lunch, um, I, I hail from Noonan, Georgia. So I was, uh, I had a thumb on that project, you know, from, you know, the groundbreaking on to the finishing product, like, yeah. like you like it is today. And I noticed many phases of the project continuing uh, reformations and so on and so forth. So all those additions, I'm very familiar with, and it is quite the pillar in that community. It drives a lot of uh, revenue to the area and it helps a lot of people. Yes, absolutely. And they employ quite a few people down there, and they're a great client to work for. They've been a lot of fun through the years. Well, congratulations to you, because I know that was a paramount project for you. Yes, it absolutely was. Thank you. So since then, what have you kind of been working on? So we've been dabbled in a little bit of everything, and we like to stay that way. We like to build a help our clients with everything, not just one specific type of project or only big projects. So we've done quite a bit of healthcare work up with Northside Hospital. Uh, we've also done K-12 work, working with Atlanta Public Schools and Fulton oh. County Public Schools. Um, we've also done, you know, various office buildings, ground up, or renovations. Um, we actually did a, a restaurant out in Jekyll Island. Ooh. So did a library down in Harris County and another library down in Haightville. So we've really kind of hit the gamut on types of projects. We're also just starting construction, did the design on a new pump station for the city of Atlanta. So wow. A broad um, scope that you guys have. Broad scope. Yeah. Very fortunate to have a Wallace behind me, which is a larger company and, you know, five different office locations. Mm -hmm. So the benefit of that is that you have the expertise of 160 people and not just the expertise that you have here in Atlanta, which is really what's allowed us in our horizon and be able to help clients with whatever they need the help sure. with. Well, I'm going to ask you one more question because I could talk projects with you in your field of expertise all day long, but we'll save that for another time at Marlowe's. Sounds um, good. <laughs> but being that you wear the BD hat, which is business development, for those that don't know the acronym, um, and you, you wear a principal hat, how do you kind of, um, you know, how do you cover the ground? How do you saturate the market? How do you do... Um, you know, how do you do what you do on such a large scale as one person here in Atlanta? Yeah, it's very, it can be time consuming it for sure. And it can also be difficult because you're pulled in multiple different directions. And so trying to figure out what's the priority of the day. Um, moving here, I joined an organization called SMPS Atlanta. And they have been phenomenal for me in the relationships that I've built. It's Society for Marketing Professional Services, and Ooh. it's more focused in the AEC industry. I actually recently rolled off as president, so now I've got the great job of past president. Congratulations. Thanks. But they are instrumental in just a welcoming and open group of mostly marketing and or marketing and business development professionals within the organization. And so building that network helped really to help me connect to different people. They mm -hmm. would help me get introductions and where I needed. And so really start to build those connections and the relationships and that presence within the community that I think is really vital for a company. Yeah. Well, I'm going to sidestep because here's when we would normally hop in the DeLorean and take it back to Kansas. But we're going <laughs> to scoot on over here to service and affiliation and participation in associations. Because yeah. you mentioned um, that you were a part of the, what was it? 
um, what was the nonprofit that you were talking about? It's Southeastern Assistance in Healthcare. Yes, so that's one of the things that you're enthusiastic about, and that helps cancer patients. Yes, it right? helps cancer patients who are actively receiving treatment within the whole Atlanta metro area. So it covers a lot of counties, um, and then it helps them with their non-medical expenses. So if right. they're struggling to make ends meet, a lot of them have had to take time off of work. So if they're qualified, then we basically give them financial assistance to help them pay for their electrical bills or pay for gas to and from treatments when they need it and just there to support them in any way we can. That's so important because that's a, a piece of the puzzle that not many people think about, or at least I didn't consider until I familiarized myself with organizations like that. You know, you think about the service that's being provided and the need of the individual, but you don't think about all the other components, the housing, the travel for the family, so on and so forth. Yes. And so if we can relieve a little bit of that stress mm -hmm. for them so that they can focus on getting well, then that's what we're aiming to do. Absolutely. So speaking about give backs and, and participation, what is another... Um, aside from the board that you just mentioned, another board that you participate on or that you find valuable um, to kind of help fuel that network that you need? Yeah, so I think I love the community interaction and I love giving back to the industry. So I think it's really important. Those are the two I'm actively on right now. I've spent a lot of time focusing on SMPS and so I wanted to make sure that I wasn't pulled in too many directions mm -hmm. as I was president there. I've also been involved in what's called the National Council of Structural Engineering Association on committees, and I was president of the Oklahoma Association for that back when I was in our Oklahoma offices. Mm -hmm. But I think it's important for you and for the industry to give back because it's just amazing what you learn from other people just being involved, whether it's in a nonprofit, whether it's in a marketing and business development, or whether it's with your peers mm -hmm. in, um, you know, just an industry organization. And to me, my passion is, you know, giving back to the next generation. And so I en really enjoy being focused on, when I'm looking inside the industry, focused on, you know, how can we better make sure that our college graduates are getting what they need so that when they enter the industry, yes. they're able to find a job quickly and they have the skills to be able to excel at it. Absolutely. So it sounds like you have um, a, a mentor type bone in your body that you enjoy mentoring folks and kind of helping them reach that next level in their career. Yes, I would say that is true. Well, that being said, who would you consider a mentor throughout your um, time in structural engineering or even leading up to that? Who's somebody that was kind of um, there for you and in ear or a shoulder or a voice of reason um, throughout your throughout your career? Yeah, well, obviously stemming from the beginning would be my parents. You know, they definitely taught me the work ethic that's required to excel in pretty much any industry. You've got to have the dedication, the commitment, and the work ethic. And, you know, from waking my butt up at five in the morning to dig potatoes in the garden to, you know, staying active in sports and staying focused, they've really taught that work ethic mm -hmm, yeah. and that connection with that that really helps. Um, in my industry, I've been fortunate to work with a lot of great people. You know, starting out with my internships up in Montana, I had a boss there who was really taught you how to, you know, to level it down, and he what didn't take himself too seriously, and you know, really taught you to connect with the work and the clients. Mm -hmm. um, I learned, and I had, an, I worked out in Las Vegas before starting with Wallace Engineering, mm -hmm. and I had bosses there that some taught you what to do and some taught you what not, what to, not do. to do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, you know, it's having that vast group of people in my life that have really shown me the ways. We've got a fantastic woman in our office here, or in Atlanta, or in our Tulsa office, excuse me, mm -hmm. who's one of our principals, who is just very dynamic. And she, the amount of work that she does, I still don't know how she accomplishes it, and the amount of giving back to the company and figuring out ways to make the company better is better. truly impressive to 
kind of follow in the footsteps of. Yeah. I think that's very important. Like you mentioned, um, you know, kind of reaching back and, and giving back to the next generation because there are people that have kind of pulled us through along the way. I'd like to set it, take us back and finally set the stage for all of these uh, wonderful things that you've done um, in your career. And let's take it on back to Kansas. Right. When you were in Kansas, tell <laughs> us about your days in Kansas. Let's start with school and kind of the enthusiasm to uh, become the structural engineer that you are today. Yeah, so I grew up in Kansas. I grew up outside of Wichita, Kansas in a small farming community. My mom grew up on a farm. We did not, but we had five acres that were surrounded by farmland. So And you farmed potatoes though. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> you know, you got child labor, you'd have a big garden. <laughs> and you know, mowing the yard and so you had all that kind of stuff. But went to a real small school out there and ended up going into Wichita and went to high school and um, it was really through there that I started realizing engineering. I didn't think about it. I guess I'm dating myself because I didn't really realize what an engineer was in mm -hmm. high school. I really wanted to go into business because they were the ones who wore the cute suits every yeah. day to work and I wanted to wear cool clothes mm -hmm. to work. So I thought that's what I needed to do. <laughs> um, but I've always excelled in math. I'm kind of a geek. I did math competitions in grade school. I loved them. In, which, in grade school? Oh yeah, that's fourth awesome. grade. Absolutely. Fourth grade mathlete. <laughs> You're a mathlete. Yes. So I couldn't hide that part of me, you know. Um, and my uncle had, was the first one who said, you know, I could see you as an engineer. And I didn't really know what that was. Mm -hmm. And so he kind of told me. And so I was intrigued by that. I, I love architecture. I've always loved buildings, but I didn't think I was creative enough to be a design architect. Mm -hmm. I've now realized that architects do a lot more things than just making something look pretty on the right. outside. Um, but I went into an architectural engineering program because it was the structures focused, but I really liked that everything I was learning was geared towards buildings. Mm -hmm. And so I did a program at Kansas State University and there actually are only a handful still in the U.S. with the architectural engineering focus, where wow. a lot of structural engineers come from a civil engineering background. background yeah. mm -hmm. But this was an architectural, and so it really allowed me to focus purely on the buildings and dive into mm -hmm. what I wanted to do in my future. So did that, and then I went out. I did an internship in Montana. Of course, growing up in Kansas my whole life, I was ready to get out of Kansas mm -hmm. after I graduated for a while. I did some internships in Montana and really thought I wanted to go to Colorado, but somehow I ended up in Las Vegas. <laughs> that was a little <laughs> shock to my fun, mom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was out there for a few years and then I was, you know, I was I actually took a year off. I got tired of engineering, to be honest. I got tired of sitting in an office with four walls and yeah. I didn't have to talk to anybody if I didn't want to. And that wasn't me. I enjoyed the people interaction. Yes, in you're a social industry. person. Mm -hmm. So I took a year off and then decided I wanted to get back into engineering. And I wanted to get back to the Midwest, which was when I found Wallace Engineering out in Tulsa. And I fell back in love with structural engineering. I don't know, somewhat more of an open office concept. Mm -hmm. So you didn't feel like you were stuck behind four walls and never talked to anybody. It was really much more of a collaborative environment mm -hmm. yeah. and got more into the client side of stuff. And so it's really just kind of fueled my love for structural engineering. And it kind of gave you that, um, as you said, the collaboration Absolutely. that you were, yes. you're desperately seeking. You know, there's nothing wrong with that, Sarah. I too have had to do that. And I'm sure lots of ladies or just professionals as a whole have had to kind of hit the pause button and take a step back to kind of reset or become re-inspired. Yeah. Um, to dive back in with a whole new mentality, you know, refreshed. Um, so during that year, what did you kind of do to A, support yourself, if I may be so bold? Yeah, absolutely. And then B, what did you kind of do to reset that mind in order to set yourself up for success for the next step? Yeah, so I worked, 
I wanted, like I said, I wanted interaction with people. So I actually just worked at a golf course. Good for I you. I worked in the bar area of a golf yeah. course, and I met so many fantastic people, like friends that some of them I'm still friends with today that have also scattered across the country. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of it were the retired gentlemen who were working at the golf course, you know, learning what they had done with their lives and their inspirations that they had had. So I met all sorts of people, and I talked all the time. But for me, I wasn't using it. took me about nine months to realize it, but I wasn't using my brain as much as I like to use. It was a great right. break, but I needed more stimulation. I needed to get back into something, which was where when I decided to, I wanted to try engineering again. Mm-hmm. Like, I know I had gotten burnt out. But to me, I said I went to school for this. I owe it to myself to try it one more time. And I'm so glad I did because I did, like I said, fall back in love with it. Absolutely. Well, speaking of love, um, you have right here on one of the questions uh, to ask is that you love the AEC industry, of course, from collaboration to start through the construction, figuring out the best solution for the owner. So take me through that process a little bit. Unpack it, as all the podcasters say these days. Yeah. So to me, structurally, obviously, when you walk into a building, most of the time you don't see anything I did. And if I it's do, all covered up. it's all covered up. Right. And if I did my job right, by the time a building opens, they've forgotten about me mm-hmm. because it's just doing what it's supposed to do, which is good. Um, but there's so many ways to achieve that. There's so many ways to make sure that that beam over that entry, you know, is high enough that the architect can get their feature they want. Or maybe you're doing a little more dynamic of a building and you're cantilevering something out 30 feet. There's ways to do it and figure out how to do it best without compromising the architectural design. And so to me, it's finding what is, what's the ultimate goal of the architect and what's the ultimate goal of the owner, and then how can we be an asset to your team to make it work? And there's always more than one solution. And sometimes we'll draw it one way that we think is great, and then the contractor will say, well, because of this, this, and this, and how we're phasing it, and how we're closing off this part of the building and putting this one on, can we do it this way instead? Huh. And that's what I love because as long as it works and it's not going to hurt the building, you're flexible. I'm flexible, oh. and I think it's fun to build that collaboration because we all have our expertise, and putting it together at the end of the day is the contractor's expertise. So if we can still collaborate and create the again the best solution, the tightest, the client, yeah. yeah, without impacting near as much of the existing but occupants, if it's an addition, mm-hmm. that's that's a win for everybody. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, how all pieces and everybody works together for the best entrance of the owner or of the client, like you mentioned. I want to take a step back and kind of uh, maybe to Las Vegas. When you were out in Las Vegas, the different pace of life and what you were able to take from that market that translates maybe to what you're doing today. Um, I know it's probably a lot more fast paced, you know, speaking of Noonan, you know, to Gwinnett from my experience is a whole nother world here in Gwinnett. So I can only imagine what it's like in a world like Vegas. Well, and I would say, and part of it's the difference in my roles. I was a project engineer. I was much younger. So in Vegas to me was much slower than Atlanta. Atlanta is much more active, much more moving, constantly going. Hmm where I didn't have that. And again, it could have been more my role because my job was to sit in the office and punch the numbers and do the drawings and all the calculations. Um, But what I did, what I can say I learned there and I've taken is just the relationships you build. Like the contractors I work with, I've had them call me five, 10 years later. I just connected with one on LinkedIn. He found me and said, hey, how are you doing? Remember me? Like, to me, that's what's fun about it. Those Mm -hmm. are the connections you build and and it taught me early on in my career that, you know, the connections you have with your clients 
they become friends and they become more than just your clients and that's where it really benefits you in the long run too absolutely and keeping your network relevant like you mentioned and staying um you know what's that old saying never burn a bridge i'm sure you don't make a a habit but the world is all connected it's a small you will run into those people those projects those things again i assure you absolutely it's a very small world out there and i feel like the more you move from your home the more you realize how small it really is what would you say to uh, a young professional out there that is um, maybe enthusiastic about engineering or structural engineering that's looking to kind of um, penetrate the market or start to advance their career? What would you say to that young person, um, you know, kind of looking back maybe um, as you would have spoken to yourself, knowing what you know now? Mm-hmm. So it depends on the age. Like if you're looking to go into college and you're starting in a civil engineering program, civil is very broad in the sense that it offers you a lot of opportunities. But if you know you want to go into buildings, I would recommend talking with the professional engineer and making sure you're taking the right classes because if you're not careful, you can get out of school and not have all the classes that people are going to want when you go to hire you. So it's just going to be a harder process for you. And unfortunately, you don't always know it going in, and so that's where it's hard. For someone starting out on your career and you really want to move up, to me, it's it. I think the best thing to move you forward is doing a good job at what your job is, but going above and beyond that. Like, what else are you doing? Mm-hmm. You know, if you're just sitting and doing a great job at your job, then you're going to keep your job. If you want to move up, find other added value ways that you can, you know, help out your firm and obviously discuss that with your boss and mm-hmm. with people. But I think that's where your true value comes in in a firm is being able to not only do your job, but to help out in other ways that you can see the upward path. Talk about the externship portion. Um, After, did you do an externship after college? Did you, or internship, I'm sorry. I did two internships in the summers in college. So getting into a program like that, was it affiliated with your school? Is it something that you kind of um, discovered on your own? You connected with somebody that was looking to bring on an intern? Yeah, so um, our, it wasn't required by our programs, but our program, we are highly focused on the, like the school I went to has 100% placement if you want it after graduation. Like nice. they have a great connection with the professionals out after school. And so the amount of information that you can learn in an internship is so invaluable. Mm-hmm. I mean, just being in an office and listening to people talk the talk and you know, just listening to how they're discussing with clients and different projects. It's really invaluable. So I was fortunate that when I was working or when I was going to school, our professors helped me. And one of our professors in particular was from the Montana area. And so he connected me with his old buddy and Tom Bodet was his name. And uh-huh. so then he connected me with him. And that's how I ended up getting that internship and then stuck with it for two summers because you can't there's no better place in the world to than be. Montana in the summer. Oh, wow. So. Well, what's so special about Montana summers? Well, it. I couldn't do the winter. I don't think I okay, could do the yeah. winters. They're cold. cold. Yeah, they have buffaloes out there. Yeah. <laughs> but the summers are fantastic. You know, it's a much mild temperature, and there's just, I mean, the scenery is beautiful. Mm-hmm. I'm a sucker for the mountains, and so you can get out and go hiking and float nice. rivers and fish the rivers. So, yeah, it was a fantastic place to spend two summers in college. Good for you. And I learned a lot, so that yes. was always a plus too. <laughs> so the internship is kind of really your, um, you know, first exposure to that um, arena, you yes. know, in real life. So that is invaluable. And I'm sure you you created a network for yourself through that experience that you still have to this day. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I've actually, you know, that company has since sold, but I'm friends with some of the other people up there. It's now a much larger company in Montana. So through the National Council of Structural Engineering Mm -hmm. and um, 
different conferences. I actually get to see some of them every year. I was fortunate enough to speak at a conference up there last November, and I hadn't seen my boss from internships in probably 10 years. Wow. So I was able to go to dinner with him and connect with him, and that was great, you know, just to touch base. How are the kids? Mm -hmm. How are the wife? And really connect back with his family and his personal life. It was a lot of fun. Well, and I bet he was proud because look at you. You were on stage delivering um, the message, and once before you were just an intern intern (laughs) on the team. Yeah, definitely came a little full circle. Full circle, (laughs) yeah, I like that. Sarah, I do want to dive into maybe some of your extracurricular activities and the things that you enjoy outside of the structural engineering uh, word world. But before we do, I'd like to remind our listeners about McCarthy Building Companies. McCarthy Building Companies is a general-based contractor specializing in healthcare, education, aviation, and commercial construction products. They are committed to helping their clients achieve their short and long-term strategic goals. The McCarthy Partnership for Women believes that diverse perspectives drive better outcomes, and that's why they're thrilled to support the Celebrating Powerhouse Women series. Diving back into the fun things that you like to do, um, I feel like I have a leg up because I've been doing a lot of research on you. <laughs> Someone's but, been telling secrets, huh? <laughs> we won't call him out. You can tell me some secrets about him later on. Um, talk to me about what you like to do for fun. So you wear a, a really heavy hat, or for lack of better better words I know you enjoy what you do but a lot rides on literally a lot rides on what you do so to kind of um, escape the the day-to-day responsibilities and kind of check out you know like you were just on vacation what do you enjoy doing with your spouse what do you do personally personally to clear your mind uh, for health fitness and mental agility Yes, I don't have, I know some people have like their one thing they go to, and I tend to do a lot of wide variety. In the summers, I love to ride my bike, and so we'll get a group together and ride bikes, you know, ride our bicycles like one night a week and maybe on the weekends and ride 20, 30, whatever miles. Do you do the belt line? uh, No. Because I think I would kill myself on the belt line (laughs) on a bike. There's just too many people. Too many people, yeah. You're wanting to ride more at a quicker pace, pace than yeah. a leisurely pace and so I just don't so think you're, it's you're like safe. like road bikes like yes. you're a cyclist so we'll okay. go out to the silver comet trail Very and nice. ride out there yes. instead so okay. yeah I enjoy doing that I know Mac told you I love to drink wine I love <laughs> you're in good company yes, Sarah <laughs> I love to drink it I love going out to Napa and learning more about it and just I won't say at all that I know I can tell you what I like and what I don't like but it really is a passion and we do my husband and I both do it so we love it's to sit on the front porch after work in nice days COVID, we've sat Pop on the front porch more than we have any other time in our lives, and it's been fantastic to just sit out there and watch watch the squirrels mm-hmm. and the trees. I'm really starting to sound old now. <laughs> Listen, wine brings people together. I mean, it does. not to sound like a boozer or anything, but literally, you can just have you know a group of people. You pop a bottle of wine. It tends to keep people at the table a little bit longer. The conversation becomes more enriched, and you're it's kind of like uh, like family style. You know, the camaraderie. That's what I enjoy. And it's a I good enjoy. excuse to get together. Hey, let's have a glass of wine. Okay, let's get people over. You uh-huh. know. So, yeah, I use it a lot for that. (laughs) So share a little bit about – that's a beer, not a wine, (laughs) unless it's like a Moscato or something. But maybe we can have a craft IPA. Um, Share a little bit about the project that you were just kind of completing over the Thanksgiving break. You told me a little bit about building a wine. Oh, yes. I was like, which project (laughs) did you do? I do. So we have a place down at – down in Seagrove Beach and my husband always says he thought it was a place to relax and he's learned I find it as a place to redecorate so nothing wrong with that that is relaxing to me Mm -hmm. I'll go down and like we were there in September and I painted the whole upstairs painted the cabinets and then I had we needed a new fridge Mm -hmm. and so I wanted 
anyhow, I wanted to fill six inches of space, so I decided I wanted to build a little wine rack in there so the new fridge would fit perfectly. So when we were down there over Thanksgiving, he went and did some of the beach stuff, and I hung out and painted a vanity and built a wine rack and fit it all in there. So I bet it fit perfectly. It did. I bet, <laughs> and I bet it was structurally sound. <laughs> There's a few pieces that maybe the cuts weren't so well, but those are hidden, so it's all good. <laughs> and that kind of goes along with uh, kind of, you know, escaping the, the mental – I don't want to say anguish, but responsibility of day to day. So kind of using yes. your creative and it's just part relaxing of your brain. to yeah. me, you know, just thinking through it. And I'll usually turn on just a, you know, entertaining book and mm-hmm. I'll turn on a book that I don't have. Usually it's one that I don't have to think through too right. much. And then I'll either go to town painting or measuring and doing stuff like that. And it is a great way to clear my head. I love yeah. it. Plus that instantaneous gratification of seeing the finished mm-hmm. product fairly quickly on those pieces like that and you get to use it so every time you know you put a new bottle of wine on that rack Absolutely. you're like you know what that quarantine thanksgiving i came down here and i did that <laughs> that's project. my wine rack that's mine. <laughs> yes well that's exciting what other things do you and your husband like to do together i know you guys are in related fields i, I didn't share that with the audience so maybe you can share like what he does in the world of projects and how that relates to you and then share how you kind of balance being in the same industry or similar industries and not kind of bringing that home, being able to separate work from home life balance together as a couple. Yeah. So first of all, we're awful at that. We <laughs> definitely bring it home and I love it though. Mm-hmm. I love having that person to bounce everything off of, whether it's a good day or whether it's a bad day, he completely understands it. Um, he's in construction. So he's a, um, general manager and vice president at Batson Cook Construction. So he oversees their private commercial air construction here in Atlanta. So mm-hmm. right now a lot of hotels and office buildings and apartments and condos, that mm-hmm. type of work. Um, so yeah, so we get to, he, I first met him obviously through the Cancer Treatment Centers of America. He was overseeing that project. He claims we met on the job site, but I don't remember. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Your eyes weren't looking for a fellow on the job site. No, I was really, busy, I was looking working. at beans. Yeah. <laughs> He was looking at you, though. That's right. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so we, you know, hit it off through that and have stuck with it. And so we come home, good days and bad days, we're always talking about work. I know mm-hmm. a lot of people say they try to turn it off or they only do it so long and then they focus on other stuff. But well, if it doesn't negatively impact your relationship, there's no reason. And to. I love having that someone you fully trust to bounce ideas off of who's looking out for your best interest as well. And so and can give you the straight absolutely shoot yeah tell me what I remember don't tell me what you think I want to hear tell me what I need to hear tell me what you really think so good for you so it doesn't at all um affect your your home life what do you guys like to do together being such brilliant minds you know you said you like to craft and kind of create does he kind of jump in on your on your home projects too or is that Sarah's world that's more Sarah's world okay we we do it we get along better if we don't do it together (laughs) Sarah's kind of a perfectionist so (laughs) it's much better for the relationship to stick with Sarah's world there But we do pretty much everything else we do together. Like if we're cycling, it's usually it's both of us going. Mm -hmm. Um, If we're drinking wine, it's both of us going. We love to just socialize. We love live music. So Mm -hmm. back when we were going to live music, Mm -hmm. we're only a few miles from Eddie's Attic. So it was a fantastic place to go. So we have always enjoyed that and just eating good food. Mm. We're kind of foodies too. So Mm -hmm. I like to go out to dinner. Not so much now. But um, again, I like to go out to dinner to have that good food. And so that's just stuff. Do you enjoy cooking? I do. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't Here do near as much of yeah. it anymore. I used to do a lot more baking. Mm. And now two mm. things. Our office is smaller here. So once you make a cake, right, I usually want to take it somewhere. Yeah, to share. To eat it all. <laughs> Please and I just it. don't have time to do it as much anymore. But yes, I do enjoy baking and cooking. Um, 
hopefully we'll get into it more down the road. You know, he's looking to retire in a few years. And so then, um, well, I was thinking more of the shark. I always mess this word up. Charcuterie boards because they pair well with the wine. Oh, I do. So the fancy cheese and fruits and the meat boards. Yes. Yes. And my fridge and my cabinets are usually always stocked that I can put one of those together in no time flat. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Okay. So I have a really weird question, but I think that it tells a lot about somebody. So, you know, being from the South or here in Atlanta, Chick-fil-A is very large and and, uh, predominant. Do you enjoy Chick-fil-A? Absolutely. This is not a plug. We are not sponsored by Chick-fil-A yet, unless Chick-fil-A is listening, and then maybe they want to come on board. But what is your favorite Chick-fil-A sauce, Sarah? And this means nothing to anyone except for me. So my ultimate favorite is obviously the Chick-fil-A sauce. Is it the Chick-fil-A sauce? But it's not as good for me. So I justify I can eat the chicken nuggets if I get the barbecue sauce. Okay, so that's yeah, kind of my compromise in my life. Okay. But if you had to choose one, it would be the Chick-fil-A Absolutely. sauce. I do the same thing. I'm like, okay, I mean, the buffalo also is extremely low calorie <laughs> if you're looking for another locale option. But I would have to say that the Polynesian is probably my weakness. I okay. Like Polynesian. And I haven't had that one much. I'm going to have to oh. order it and try it. It's just kind of like tangy, sweet, a little bit, a little honey type. I like the Chick-fil-A, but like, I don't really like the creaminess of it per Per se. Uh. And again, that was just a fun question. I just wanted to ask. <laughs> <laughs> so going back to wines, what would you say that your favorite um, blend is? Give me your favorite red and give me your favorite white. Um, brand or just? Just like, are you a Cabernet? I'm a Cabernet fan. I like, I had one lady describe it as the brown flavors. And so when I don't know what, if I don't know the wines on a list, I tell people I want a wine that has dirt and leather and some smoke, like those flavors. Okay. That's, so a lot of tannins. I like a bigger, right. bolder wine there. So being that you, you like the, the bolds, do you even fiddle with the whites or the lights? I do in the summer, uh-huh. especially if it's warmer outside. And then I'll do more of a Pinot Grigio or a Savion Blanc, something mm-hmm. light and crisp. I like the Pinot Grigio as well. That would yes. be my first choice for the white and also Cabernet Sauvignon. You got good taste. Is it ready? <laughs> yes, sounds like we have a wine date in the near future. Okay, I'll take it away from condiments and things that we like to eat and so on and so forth. Okay. This, this, this <laughs> random beer keeps appearing, but we're not at all talking about beer. Um, oh, ah, that was delicious. We should have cracked one open. You know? <laughs> could have really got this conversation going. Oh gosh, going. excuse me, Mike. That was terrible. <laughs> um, Sarah, what are what are some things that you um have kind of overcome throughout your journey in your career that you look back on now that have been um, something that you can really say, wow, you know, kind of like an aha moment. It could have been a struggle. It could have been a challenge or it could have just been something, you know, uh, that you achieved. But looking back on it now, Sarah, 10 years ago, you thought it was the end of the world when blah, or five years ago, you never thought you'd make it beyond blah. Kind of give an example of maybe a challenge or some strife that you overcame to build you to where you are today. Yeah, so probably one of the biggest ones I can think of is a mistake I made when I was out in Las Vegas. I was a young engineer and designed a crane beam that wasn't wasn't right. I used the wrong R value in a, an equation. And so we had, we, luckily the contractor was great and we repaired it all. But I was absolutely devastated, like in tears, like, why am I even doing this with my life? Like, I shouldn't be doing this. And Can you I, tell the non-mathletes really quickly what an R value is? It's just one of the strength, one of the factors in a beam. And so I used one. It judges how strong it is, essentially, in different accesses. Okay. And so but, I, of course, someone caught that before it was erected, before no, it was constructed. No, it was started in construction. And wow. even before they put the crane up, the beam was moving where uh-huh. it shouldn't. And so we worked with the contractor. Again, the contractor was fantastic and got it braced and got it working, so it was completely safe. But Whew. my boss was fantastic through it all. And that was something, and he was like, he told me his one mistake when he was early. He mm-hmm. said, oh, you won't forget it, but 
everybody does it and you need to move past it and you need to move on and learn from it. And so just his support of it was so incredible. And Mm -hmm. so it was something that I learned, A, we're all going to make mistakes, but the contractor was great because we worked through the best solutions to fix it. Mm -hmm. Um, Thank God I haven't made that mistake Mm -hmm. again. Knock on wood, I haven't Mm -hmm. made any that Mm -hmm. I'm that big that I've known about. Um, So, but the way people came together to fix everybody was honest. We just figured it out. So, I mean, the way the contractor handled it and the way my boss handled it taught me a lot of lessons moving Mm -hmm. forward on how to how to overcome an obstacle if we do make a mistake, because we're going to, everybody's going to. We're humans. Man alive, I have to ask, and as you can tell, I'm a very curious mind. What would have happened if no one caught that? So would it have ever reached a point that it, it, um, you know, that nobody saw that that was an issue, that the R value was incorrect? So if the GC didn't catch it and then it was covered, would it have just caused in, in, it would so have. the crane probably wouldn't have worked because the beam would have moved sideways too much when the crane moved. And so that's what, essentially what it was. You okay. know, vertically wise, it wasn't coming down, but horizontally it was going to move wobbly. too much. So it was luckily, and it was something exposed. So there was no way people were not going to see it. Okay. Yep. So wow. I was very How fortunate. would you say something like that occurs like um, on a site or in a project? You know, I think everybody makes mistakes. I bet every project on everybody's facet is a mistake, but most of them aren't that severe. Mm. You know, that was definitely the abnormal one that had to be repaired and fixed. But most of them, it's, you know, maybe you don't have it fully detailed and so the contractor has questions on mm-hmm. it. And so you work through that or, you know, anchor bolts are poured too low because that happened. Mm-hmm. You know, some again, it's just stuff that happens right. in construction. So you get fixes for it yeah. and you move on. So a lot of it's not the end of the world. Right. That one wasn't either. Mm-hmm. It was caught it, we were fixed it, and we were good. But it definitely mm-hmm. teaches you how to you know, offer grace to other people when they have a mistake because you've been there too and just how to handle it on your own. That's exactly the word I was going to say before you said it, poise and grace. You know, you were able to handle that, um, you know, them identifying the issue with some grace. Your um, mentor or your boss, whomever you said, worked with you and they didn't just shame you, pointing the finger. You know, you were able, it was a teachable moment. You were able to correct the issue and you were able to learn from it. Absolutely. And continue to persevere forward. Yep. So I guess the lesson in that would be that mistakes aren't the end of the world. Make sure you identify and understand where the issue is Mm -hmm. so you can carry on and not make that same mistake again. Yep. And just, I think another one is just the point, like you said, the poison grace and how to move through it without, you know, yelling at someone else does it too, without yelling at people and Mm -hmm. just containing, maintaining the great relationships and moving forward. I would agree. And relationships are paramount in what we do. I want to ask you just out of curiosity, you mentioned that your husband is, um, you know, considering retirement in the future. What is uh, on, on the horizon for Sarah? Where do you see yourself over the next 10 years? Would you too like to be retired so you and your husband can go to Bora Bora and drink wine? You know, not or, anytime soon. I so mean, you want to remain? Yeah. Where would you see yourself in the structural engineering world uh, 10 years from now? And give me, give me your projection. Yeah. What does your crystal ball say? Goodness, so many <laughs> options. Um, but no, I do still see myself in the structural engineering world. I'd like to see that I'm doing something similar. I'd like to have a great group of people that I'm working with, and a great group of clients, as well as internally people that are on my team working with so that we can all just jive and function and you know, do our job but have fun doing it. I enjoy doing that kind of stuff, so I don't plan to stop anytime soon. Good for you. I like I, I'm always stumped when someone's like, Where do you see yourself in the next ten years? I'm like, Oh my god. Like, can we make it five? I can yeah. make it five. <laughs> I can see five, but ten, whoo, I don't really know. Hey, you mentioned um Audible 
And you know, we are consumers of content and information. Um, I gone are the days of me actually picking up a literal book because I don't have the time. It puts me straight to sleep. So I enjoy listening to podcasts and books and so on and so forth. Um, what do you do? And it could be audible. What do you do to keep your mind limber, to keep yourself relevant in your field and just within the world? Where do you get the information that you kind of stay up to date and current with, whether it be, you know, your books and so on and so forth? So I just, what, what I, do you consume? As I listen far as to a lot of books, um, both fiction and nonfiction on my Audible. That's my drive traffic. I tell my husband it's cheaper than therapy later in my <laughs> life to make it through Atlanta traffic. It's That's my therapy. Um, and then a lot of my current events, I'm not a big fan of watching the news because I think it focuses too much on, on stuff that I don't. Yes. And so, but I read the skim, the daily skim, mm -hmm. an email that I get every morning that just kind of has highlights of What's going on? current events. Mm -hmm. And so it's a great, you know, a couple minute read and it's a light read. And so it's a good way to, and then I'll skim through the Atlanta Business Journal email, mm -hmm. kind of their email of some top stories mm -hmm. and check those out as well. But that's kind of the main ways that I cool. stay connected. What, um, you mentioned fiction and nonfiction. What have you recently completed or what are you currently listening to in uh, Audible? And we're currently listening to a David Baldashi book. We downloaded the new one and then realized we hadn't listened to the one Previous. right before that in uh -huh. the series, which is fantastic because I love series because uh -huh. then I don't have to think about what book What's next, next to get. <laughs> yes. So just finish that one and getting ready to start the second, the next one in the series that just came out. Good so. for you. Are you the type that can have multiple going at one time or do you like to complete one first before you start another one? I usually complete one before mm -hmm. I start another one. Occasionally I'll read a paper book, but that's pretty rare. And then I can do that at the same time, do that at nights and listen to a different oh. book in the car. But most of the time I'm finishing one, one book done. before I start another. I got it. Well, you know, I asked you before the show, so again, I'm kind of cheating, um, if you had any fur babies. And it seems that you really don't, you don't have anything that's holding you back from just picking up and going somewhere if you and your husband would like to. You know, I have to worry about where my dog's going to stay. People have children. People have all these things. But you just lead such a, a wonderful, clean, crisp life. You can say, we're headed out, and you can just go to the mountains. So I know you don't have any animals. Okay, but if you could, if you could have a pet, what would you have? Oh, it would be a, probably a little dog. A dog, um, But it would probably be one that wouldn't shed. Okay, so <laughs> you like want one of those, what are they called? Uh, golden doodles? Yeah, something yeah, like that. <laughs> <laughs> the audience can't see your face, but the face you made was hilarious when you said that. Well, the reason I ask, Sarah, I'm not just berating you about fur babies for nothing. One of our supporters of this series is Cat Rangers, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about them right now. Cat Rangers is saving lives of cats and kittens one paw at a time. They are the special forces of cat rescue, and all of their felines recover in their lovely home-like center in Buford while they wait to find their forever homes. Cat Rangers is growing rapidly and is always seeking financial and volunteer support. Please contribute by visiting catrangers.org today. So, Sarah, I have a solution. <laughs> I have a solution for you. If you don't want to have a cat, but you might like to play with them or just, you know... Uh, socialize. You can go to Cat Rangers down in Buford, bring yourself a nice cup of coffee from 101 Bagel Cafe, and just enjoy the feline friends. They like to be social too, without the obligation of owning the pet itself. <laughs> right. Okay. So Perfect. if you'd like more information, catrangers.org is there for you. Hey, I would be remiss if I didn't share with our listeners some of your accolades because I'm sitting here 
talking to you about Chick-fil-A sauce and wine. And <laughs> I want to just share some of your experience with our listeners. So Sarah has 15 years of experience as a structural engineer. Um, she started in Atlanta in uh, at the Wallace. She started the Atlanta Wallace office in 2014. She also holds her bachelor's of science in architectural engineering. Listen to all these words that are stumping me. She has a master's of science in architectural engineering from Kansas State University. Right. What's the mascot there? The wildcat. The wildcat. <laughs> Rawr. Okay. Um, and you also, you're a professional engineer in 10 states. You hold a license that allows you to do that. Expand um, a little bit upon that because then you're a structural engineer in three states. So kind of Tell a little bit about the differentiation between the two. Yeah, so not all states have a differentiator. Um, back in the day, states kind of a lot of states had their own test, and then an organization called NCES um, kind of did a standardized eight-hour test that if you pass that, then you could have your professional engineering license. And then states on top of that created their own tests. So California, you had to have 29 hours of testing to be certified, and California, you know. Um, Washington, you had to have a lot of hours as well. And so that's where you got your SE license. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of states now are starting to, and it's highly recommended, they're going towards NCEES standardized that again, and they created, there's an eight-hour exam, but there's also a 16-hour exam. Mm -hmm. And so the 16-hour exam definitely is harder. It tests you more on your um, ability as well as, you know, applying the knowledge, not just knowing the code. Right. And so I took my eight-hour exam out in California because I was working out in Las Vegas. Uh -huh. And at the time, California required an additional five hours of testing just to get your professional engineering license. Ooh. So I did that. And then when the 16-hour exam came around, I was out in Oklahoma. And I took that because I knew states were going towards that. And I didn't want to have any doors closed on my career that if I went to a state or wanted to work at a project in a state that I could get licensed there because I had all the exams and right. testing. And so I took that one, which is what gave me the SE exam. And again, some states don't recognize that. Georgia's just starting to. Mm -hmm. They just recently passed the Partial Practice Act, which is fabulous. Mm -hmm. So what it means is that, you know, if you've got basically higher risk buildings, larger buildings, taller buildings, oh. then you have to have the structural engineering license. So you have to work have more yeah. testing to verify that you can do the work. Oh. Um, it's the way a lot That's of- That's comforting. It's fantastic, <laughs> yeah. yes. And when I was in Oklahoma, has recently passed that too. I worked. Mm -hmm. start, I was first started working on you know building that coalition and getting that passed with the organization I was wow. helping out there. It's a great way for states to go. It's mm -hmm. just added security and added you know, your your whole thing is to protect the health, safety, and welfare of the people, and yeah, it's just an added layer yeah. to do that. And so, I'm very happy that Georgia Georgia worked really hard. The people who worked on that, and so they worked really hard to get that passed, and it finally did. And so, Yay. so yeah. So that's the difference is the added testing, mm -hmm. and then like some of the states, I could get an SE in any state right mm -hmm. now because, like I said, California is the highest, and I have that. Um, but a lot of states just don't offer it yet. Got it. Well, thank you for clarifying yeah. that. And congratulations to you and, and all of your achievements. Thank you. Um, Sarah, the last thing I'd like to ask you before we say bye-bye, because time goes so quickly, and then we're going to go to Marlowe's and have a, a bottle of wine, <laughs> um, is what advice would you give to our young professional listeners out there? Again, I kind of asked this to you before, mm -hmm. but not just necessarily about your um, area of expertise, just any young individual that is looking to kind of dig their heels into their career and just press forward. What would you say to that person out there? 
So I think there's like one, don't, we talked about it before, but don't burn bridges. You never know when you're going to need people or where it's going to come full circle and where you're going to have people again in your lives and in your careers. Um, I just think that's very important never to burn a bridge no matter where you're going. And the other thing is to remember that whether it's a good experience or a bad experience, you always learn something. And so you need to figure out what you're what you've learned from it and move forward and that way you can find what's best for you and then if you do find what's best for you it's going above and beyond like doing your job but what other added value can you have you know whether it's business development whether it's creating a book club in your office whether it's you know you see a process in your office that could be improved and so you try mm. to improve it you know I think the little stuff like that that you can do above and beyond is a way to move up in your career quicker and it kind of um it it shed some light on the individual you know that you're a go-getter you're not a half tailor so on and so forth absolutely well I think that's great advice Sarah thank, thank you. you so much for your time today I've enjoyed getting to know you and I've enjoyed learning about Wallace and again uh, cheers to you and all the great work that you're doing thank you you're welcome thank you for having me I appreciate of course. it um you guys you know you've been listening to celebrate powerhouse women on business radio x we are live every friday at 11 30 a.m you can listen to our show on businessradiox.com you can also pull up all of our archived episodes if you'd like to catch up on all the fantastic women leaders that we've had the chance to speak with um, we're available on all the podcast apps itunes iHeartRadio, spotify so on and so forth please connect with us on social media at business radio x and until next time i am amanda pierch and this has been celebrate Powerhouse Women on Business Radio X.